Hi, this is Danny Whitaker with Devoted to Scripture. I'm reading through the Bible in a year and sharing my reading with you. This is day 109 of our journey. Today we begin to study the long procession of kings in Judah and Israel. Abijah, king of Judah, leads the southern kingdom further astray. But his son Asa returns to the Lord and destroys many of the idols his father put up. Meanwhile, in Israel, a chaotic and bloody progression of kings rise and fall from power. Nadab succeeds his father Jeroboam, but is assassinated by a man named Basha, who seizes the throne and wipes out the entire family of Jeroboam. Basha dies and leaves the throne to his son Elah, until Zimri, one of the king's most trusted military commanders, assassinates King Elah, and purges his family line from Israel. In response to the coup, a soldier named Omri takes control of the military and marches against Zimri only seven days later. Upon seeing that he was defeated, King Zimri commits suicide, and Omri claims the throne for himself. Thus, the most evil dynasty in Israel begins. Our final king discussed in this chapter is Ahab, the son of Omri, who marries Jezebel from Sidon. Though all these kings of Israel are walking away from God, God is not absent in Israel. In the final part of our reading, we are introduced to Elijah, the prophet. He foretells the coming of a drought and famine on the land as punishment for the evil. Then he miraculously provides food for a Sidonian widow and her son, and even raises the son back to life after he dies. Join me in 1 Kings 15-17 to to see God at work in the lives of his people. 1 Kings 15 In the eighteenth year of the reign of Jeroboam son of Nebat, Abijah became king over Judah. He ruled for three years in Jerusalem. His mother was Makkah, the daughter of Abishalom. He followed all the sinful practices of his father before him. He was not wholeheartedly devoted to the Lord his God as his ancestor David had been. Nevertheless, for David's sake, the Lord his God maintained his dynasty in Jerusalem by giving him a son to succeed him and by protecting Jerusalem. He did this because David had done what he approved and had not disregarded any of his commandments his entire lifetime, except for the incident involving Uriah the Hittite. Rehoboam and Jeroboam were continually at war with each other throughout Abijah's lifetime. The rest of the events of Abijah's reign, including all his accomplishments, are recorded in the scroll called the Annals of the Kings of Judah. Abijah and Jeroboam had been at war with each other. Abijah passed away and was buried in the city of David. His son Asa replaced him as king. In the twentieth year of Jeroboam's reign over Israel, Asa became king of Judah. He ruled for forty-one years in Jerusalem. His grandmother was Makkah, daughter of Abishalom. Asa did what the Lord approved, like his ancestor David had done. He removed the male cultic prostitutes from the land and got rid of all the disgusting idols his ancestors had made. He also removed Makkah, his grandmother, from her position as queen mother, because she had made a loathsome Asherah pole. Asa cut down her loathsome pole and burned it in the Kidron Valley. The high places were not eliminated, yet Asa was wholeheartedly devoted to the Lord throughout his lifetime. He brought the holy items that he and his father had made into the Lord's temple, including the silver, gold, and other articles. Now Asa and King Basha of Israel were continually at war with each other. King Basha of Israel attacked Judah and established Ramah as a military outpost to prevent anyone from leaving or entering the land of King Asa of Judah. Asa took all the silver and gold that was left in the treasuries of the Lord's temple 
and of the royal palace and handed it to his servants. He told them to deliver it to Ben-Hadad, son of Tabramon, the son of Hesion, king of Syria, ruler in Damascus, along with this message. I want to make a treaty with you, like the one our fathers made. See, I have sent you silver and gold as a present. Break your treaty with King Basha of Israel, so he will retreat from my land. Ben-Hadad accepted King Asa's offer and ordered his army commanders to attack the cities of Israel. They conquered Ejon, Dan, abel beth and all the territory of Naphtali, including the region of Kinnereth. When Basha heard the news, he stopped fortifying Ramah and settled down in Terzah. King Asa ordered all the men of Judah, no exemptions were granted, to carry away the stones and wood that Basha had used to build Ramah. King Asa used the materials to build up Geba in Benjamin and Mizpah. The rest of the events of Asa's reign, including all his successes and accomplishments, as well as a record of the cities he built, are recorded in the scroll called the Annals of the Kings of Judah. Yet, when he was very old, he developed a foot disease. Asa passed away and was buried with his ancestors in the city of his ancestor David. His son Jehoshaphat replaced him as king. In the second year of Asa's reign over Judah, Jeroboam's son Nadab became the king of Israel. He ruled Israel for two years. He did evil in the sight of the Lord. He followed in his father's footsteps and encouraged Israel to sin. Basha, son of Ahijah, from the tribe of Issachar, conspired against Nadab and assassinated him in Gibbethon, which was in Philistine territory. This happened while Nadab and all the Israelite army were besieging Gibbethon. Basha killed him in the third year of Asa's reign over Judah and replaced him as king. When he became king, he executed Jeroboam's entire family. He wiped out everyone who breathed in keeping with the Lord's message that he had spoken through his servant Ahijah the Shilonite. This happened because of the sins which Jeroboam committed and which he made Israel commit. These sins angered the Lord, God of Israel. The rest of the events of Nadab's reign, including all his accomplishments, are recorded in the scroll called the Annals of the Kings of Israel. Asa and King Basha of Israel were continually at war with each other. In the third year of Asa's reign over Judah, Basha, son of Ahijah, became king over all Israel in Terzah. He ruled for twenty-four years. He did evil in the sight of the Lord. He followed in Jeroboam's footsteps and encouraged Israel to sin. 1 Kings 16 The Lord's message against Basha came to Jehu, son of Hanani. I raised you up from the dust and made you ruler over my people Israel. Yet you followed in Jeroboam's footsteps and encouraged my people Israel to sin. Their sins have made me angry. So I am ready to burn up Basha and his family and make your family like the family of Jeroboam, son of Nebat. Dogs will eat the members of Basha's family who die in the city, and the birds of the sky will eat the ones who die in the country. The rest of the events of Basha's reign, including his accomplishments and successes, are recorded in the scroll called the Annals of the Kings of Israel. Basha passed away and was buried in Terzah. His son Elah replaced him as king. And so it was the Lord's message came through the prophet Jehu, son of Hanani, against Basha and his family. This was because of all the evil he had done in the Lord's view, by angering him with his deeds and becoming like Jeroboam's dynasty, and because of how he had destroyed Jeroboam's dynasty. In the twenty-sixth year of Asa's reign over Judah, Basha's son Elah became king over Israel. He ruled in Terzah for two years. His servant Zimri, a commander of half of his chariot force, conspired against him. While Elah was in Terzah drinking heavily at the house of Arza, who supervised the palace in Terzah, Zimri came in and struck him dead. This happened in the 27th year of Asa's reign over Judah. Zimri replaced Elah as king. 
When he became king and occupied the throne, he killed Basha's entire family. He did not spare any male belonging to him. He killed his relatives and his friends. Zimri destroyed Basha's entire family, in keeping with the Lord's message which he had spoken against Basha through Jehu the prophet. This happened because of all the sins which Basha and his son Elah committed, and which they made Israel commit. They angered the Lord God of Israel with their worthless idols. The rest of the events of Elah's reign, including all his accomplishments, are recorded in the scroll called the Annals of the Kings of Israel. In the twenty-seventh year of Asa's reign over Judah, Zimri became king over Israel. He ruled for seven days in Tirzah. Zimri's revolt took place while the army was deployed in Gibbethon, which was in Philistine territory. While deployed there, the army received this report. Zimri has conspired against the king and assassinated him. So all Israel made Omri, the commander of the army, king over Israel that very day in the camp. Omri and all Israel went up from Gibbethon and besieged Tirzah. When Zimri saw that the city was captured, he went into the fortified area of the royal palace. He set the palace on fire and died in the flames. This happened because of the sins he committed. He did evil in the sight of the Lord and followed in Jeroboam's footsteps and encouraged Israel to continue sinning. The rest of the events of Zimri's reign, including the details of his revolt, are recorded in the scroll called the Annals of the Kings of Israel. At that time the people of Israel were divided in their loyalties. Half the people supported Tibni, son of Ginath, and wanted to make him king. The other half supported Omri. Omni's supporters were stronger than those who supported Tibni, son of Ginath. Tibni died. Omri became king. In the thirty-first year of Asa's reign over Judah, Omri became king over Israel. He ruled for twelve years, six of them in Tirzah. He purchased the hill of Samaria from Shemer for two talents of silver. He launched a construction project there and named the city he built after Shemer, the former owner of the hill of Samaria. Omri did more evil in the sight of the Lord than all who were before him. He followed in the footsteps of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, and encouraged Israel to sin. They angered the Lord God of Israel with their worthless idols. The rest of the events of Omri's reign, including his accomplishments and successes, are recorded in the scroll called the Annals of the Kings of Israel. Omri passed away and was buried in Samaria. His son Ahab replaced him as king. In the thirty-eighth year of Asa's reign over Judah, Omri's son Ahab became king over Israel. Ahab, son of Omri, ruled over Israel for twenty-two years in Samaria. Ahab, son of Omri, did more evil in the sight of the Lord than all who were before him. As if following in the sinful footsteps of Jeroboam, son of Nabat, were not bad enough, he married Jezebel, the daughter of King Ethbaal of the Sidonians. Then he worshipped and bowed to Baal. He set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal he had built in Samaria. Ahab also made an Asherah pole. He did more to anger the Lord God of Israel than all the kings of Israel who were before him. During Ahab's reign, Heel, the Bethelite, rebuilt Jericho. Abiram, his firstborn son, died when he laid the foundation. Segub, his youngest son, died when he erected its gates, in keeping with the Lord's message that he had spoken through Joshua, son of Nun. 1 Kings 17 Elijah the Tishbite, from Tishbe in Gilead, said to Ahab, As certainly as the Lord God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be no dew or rain in the years ahead unless I give the command. The Lord's message came to him, Leave here and travel eastward. Hide out in the Kareth Valley near the Jordan. Drink from the stream. I have already told the ravens to bring you food there. So he carried out the Lord's message. He went and lived in the Kareth Valley near the Jordan. 
the ravens would bring him bread and meat each morning and evening, and he would drink from the stream. After a while, the stream dried up because there had been no rain in the land. The Lord's message came to him, Get up, go to Zarephath in Sidonian territory and live there. I have already told a widow who lives there to provide for you. So he got up and went to Zarephath. When he went through the city gate, there was a widow gathering wood. He called out to her, Please give me a little water in a cup so I can take a drink. As she went to get it, he called out to her, Please bring me a piece of bread. She said, As certainly as the Lord your God lives, I have no food except for a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. Right now I am gathering a couple of sticks for a fire. Then I'm going home to make one final meal for my son and myself. After we have eaten that, we will die of starvation. Elijah said to her, Don't be afraid. Go and do as you planned. But first, make me a small cake and bring it to me. Then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord God of Israel has said. The jar of flour will not be empty, and the jug of oil will not run out until the day the Lord makes it rain on the surface of the ground. She went and did as Elijah told her. There was always enough food for Elijah and for her and her family. The jar of flour was never empty, and the jug of oil never ran out, in keeping with the Lord's message that he had spoken through Elijah. After this, the son of the woman who owned the house got sick. His illness was so severe he could no longer breathe. She asked Elijah, Why, prophet, have you come to me to confront me with my sin and kill my son? He said to her, Hand me your son. He took him from her arms, carried him to the upper room where he was staying, and laid him down on his bed. Then he called out to the Lord, O Lord, my God, are you also bringing disaster on this widow I am staying with by killing her son? He stretched out over the boy three times and called out to the Lord, O Lord, my God, please let this boy's breath return to him. The Lord answered Elijah's prayer. The boy's breath returned to him, and he lived. Elijah took the boy, brought him down from the upper room to the house, and handed him to his mother. Elijah then said, See, your son is alive. The woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a prophet, and that the Lord's message really does come through you. Thank you for joining me on our shared walk through Scripture today. Devotion to Scripture doesn't begin and end here. My prayer is that you will be encouraged to dig deeper and spend some additional time in God's Word today. If you're looking for a great place to start, check the episode description where you will always find a few key verses from the day's reading to reflect on further. I'd love to hear from you. How is God using this podcast to help you grow? How can I be praying for you? Email me at devotedtoscripture at gmail.com. It's amazing seeing a passage come alive as we understand its place in the whole story of the Bible, knowing and ultimately being a part of that story is the most important undertaking of your life. Join me tomorrow to continue the journey. Be devoted to Scripture.